Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to In For Life, the podcast. This is episode 173 called Meg. Hello, everybody. This is Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally. And we are here to tell you a little bit about who we are, what we do, and how we can support you on your infertility journey. So we wanted to let you know that Fertility Rally is the membership group that we created. It's the place we wish we had when we were in the thick of it. We offer support groups. We have private Facebook groups. We have tons of events, lots of videos, blog posts, so much content. We're starting to do IRL events as well. And we want to be there for you no matter where you are on your journey. Yeah, our favorite part, we had no idea where this would go when we started it. And our favorite part about it is watching all of our members, which is like 300 plus at this point, connect and create true lifelong friendships. We have members that are meeting up in real life. We have members that are supporting each other on Instagram. We have members that call each other best friends now. And honestly, like that is the most rewarding thing to see. We had no idea it would go here. And so we're just, we're inviting you to join the Rally Fam. Yeah, it's such a great space. It's a safe space. We also have fun when we can. So we would love for you to be a part of it. Check us out on fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at fertilityrally. Hope to see you guys soon. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part? If you use code Alley15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Alley15, A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. All right, guys. So today I am talking to the incredible Meg, who's going to tell us all about her fertility journey and why she couldn't carry her own babies. There's a multitude of reasons, actually. It's due to a heart condition, a spinal injury that she's going to tell us all about, and then unexplained infertility. So because of all of those things, she and her husband decided to pursue an egg donor and a surrogate, and they use social media actually to find both their egg donor and their surrogate, which is super interesting. So it's a great story. She's going to tell us what's happening with them now and where they're at. And I just wanted to thank her for being so candid and all my guests always being so candid and to you guys for listening. So without further ado, this is Meg's infertility story. So Meg, how's it going? It's going great. Good. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm excited to get into your whole story. I'll start by saying, I know you guys were six years trying to conceive. Let's just start there. Tell me about when you and your husband, Jay, started to try, like what happened? So, you know, we started very typically, like we waited a couple years into marriage because I actually have a heart condition. Mm -hmm. So we knew it was going to be a considered higher risk. So we were kind of waiting to see when we were definitely ready. 
we started trying and within four months got pregnant, you know, super easy. Um, about two weeks later, I had a miscarriage. Um, so and we, you know, went to the doctor, everything's fine. You guys just keep trying. Um, so we went another year and a half trying and it never happened again. Mm-hmm. What's um, your heart condition? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I have a heart condition called, uh, it's called inappropriate sinus tachycardia. It's a type of vasovagal syndrome. So sometimes my heart just beats really fast and my blood pressure goes up and down really dramatically, which can okay. be kind of not safe for pregnancy. Gotcha. And a, a lot of people that have it have really early babies. Uh, so it was just something we were always kind of aware of, but okay. it was going to be a huge deal breaker. We had touched on surrogacy when we found out about it, but most of my doctors agreed that it was safe enough to try, but just to be aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. So we had already kind of dipped our toe in that direction though. So we tried for another year and a half, never happened. Mm-hmm. And then I was in a accident that caused me to have some neck pain and I ended up having to have emergency spinal surgery. Oh my gosh. What happened with the accident? Yeah. So I had been in a skiing accident a couple of years before, and then I got in a car accident and I was having chronic pain off and on finally go to the doctor. And they were literally like, if you leave today and you even get in a minor car accident, you trip and fall, you'll probably be paralyzed for the rest of your life. Oh my Um, God. I went in on Thursday and I had emergency spinal surgery on Tuesday. It was really traumatic. You know, uh, the surgery is extremely risky. I had to sign paperwork that leased out that I could potentially die more at a higher risk than the average surgery uh, because they would be moving arteries in my neck around and things like that. Oh my God. I wore a full neck brace for about three months. I couldn't mm-hmm. leave my house, couldn't really go anywhere. Um, when was so- this? This was about three and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So not too long ago. Yeah. And so after that, I kept having chronic pain, you know, it got a little better and my neck is safe now, thankfully, but it's not ever gone back to like pain wise. It's never gone back to normal. Mm -hmm. So that's when we started the conversation of surrogacy. So we kind of, you know, we waited a couple of years. I started to feel a little bit better. We were not trying during that time because we knew it was not going to be a good idea with the pain and with Mm -hmm. my neck. Uh, Multiple doctors said I would need a surrogate because the, you know, the added weight and the added just pressure of being pregnant can be really hard on your entire spinal column. And so having so many levels fused together, it would be just a higher risk for pain in, in all honesty, not safety as much as just pain. Yeah. Uh, so it was a tough decision to make, but with that combined with the heart condition, we just felt like it was the best direction for us for yeah, safety. That makes sense. And really to be able to raise that child after and not be in more pain, mm-hmm. you know, just from being able to carry them. It really was never a hard decision for us to switch to surrogacy. I think because we had talked about it before with my heart condition and always kind of thought it was maybe there. Mm-hmm. So once the neck uh, injury happened, and we knew it was, that was our only chance. So we kind of started looking around for a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our kind of friends volunteered um, and we started the process with her setting up appointments and, you know, phone calls and stuff. And when she found out the full extent of the process, she ended up kind of backing out. Oh, so wow. Devastating. <laughs> yes. How far into the process were you guys? And what Not was too far? Like she had just gone to like maybe one appointment for blood work, but we had been, you know, talking for a couple months, maybe back and forth about 
just the ins and outs and what it would be like. And we were getting excited. And then she was kind of like, I'm, this is a little too much for me. Mm. So we ended up having to start over again. And we did a public Facebook post. We felt like we really wanted someone we knew. We wanted someone we would be able to go to doctor's appointment with. So we did a public Facebook post. Which Okay, was- wait, can you be- hold on? Wait, pause, pause, pause. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so interesting. Um, yeah. what- okay, first of all, so you decided you didn't want to go through like an agency or something, you're just going to yeah, find so, somebody on I your mean, own. More people in the surrogacy world are going through agencies or even maybe some, there's some Facebook groups and websites for matching. My husband and I just felt really drawn to like trying to find someone that we knew, or even a friend of a friend mm-hmm. we had seen, you know, online, lots of journeys where the couple was a little more distant and like would fly to go to a meeting, uh, an appointment or something. And while we were like, that's amazing. We kind of felt like we needed to be a little more involved. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted that. And so we felt like doing a post maybe on Facebook was that win-win of like maybe finding somebody a little closer or a friend of a friend. And uh, in Louisiana, the surrogacy laws are a little bit more complicated than they are everywhere else. Mm. So knowing the person was going to be a, a, a benefit with the laws. So yeah, so we posted online. We okay, had- so what was, tell me about this post. What did you write? So it was literally just our whole story. Like we've been together this long. Megan has this heart condition and this spinal injury and she can't carry. We're looking for a surrogate. So if you know anybody who's interested, send them our way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it exploded overnight. We had like thousands of likes. My Mm -hmm. inbox had like probably a hundred messages in the first day. Oh my God. You have to like hire a publicist to help you (laughs) go through all this or like, people were like sharing it in other States and I was getting messages from people in like Florida and Washington. And I was like, Oh man, it was really overwhelming. Wow. That's so interesting. So did you go to sleep and then just wake up the next morning and it was like yes, had gone viral was, basically? COVID had just started <laughs> and we were home sitting in our sunroom. We hadn't been anywhere in like months. And finally I was like, I'm posting tonight. My husband looked at the post. He's like, let's just do it. So it was like nine o'clock at night. We posted it. We looked at it for the first, like maybe 30 minutes and people were, you know, cheering us on the next morning. It was just like, so many messages, which was so kind and so wonderful. A lot of the people didn't meet the uh, requirements that we already knew our clinic was going to be requiring. Mm -hmm. Some of the things they look for with surrogacy is like age, previous pregnancies, if they're done growing their own family, weight, you know, different things like that. Sure. So some of the people were actively pregnant or hadn't had kids in like 10 years. And so there was a lot of people that were eliminated very quickly. Mm -hmm. But through that, one of our friends who actually lives in our neighborhood volunteered. So Mm. she had been a surrogate before and she just kind of messaged me and was like, let's do this. I'm hundred percent in, I've already talked to my husband. So we kind of just jumped in with her and wonderful ever since. Um, she is amazing and kind and so funny. And my family's all met her, her, she brings her kids to our house. We all go swimming together. So it's exactly what my husband and I wanted in that close like relationship. We get to go to every doctor's appointment and Uh It was with us through the whole IVF process. Um, right. So I have a couple of logistical questions. So what did you have to do? Like, did you have to get lawyers and sign a contract oh, and like yes. do all that kind of stuff? Can you tell us a little bit about that just for people who might be interested in going down this route? Yeah. So every state's law is extremely different. So the first thing you would need to do is look at what your state requires. Um, here, the, the the very basics of what most state require are a general health checkup of your surrogates to make sure they're in good health to be a surrogate. Um, your RE would look at their background, medical history of previous pregnancies, any complications they might have had. 
And then if they pass all of that, they do some blood work screening. Normally their spouse has to also do blood work screening just to make sure they don't have any passable um, diseases. And then we do a lawyer thing. They have to do mm-hmm. a mental health screening. We have mm-hmm. to do a mental health screening to make sure everybody understands what it's going to be like after and whose child that's going to be. And once all of that's passed, then you're cleared to start the transfer process. Okay. Yeah. And that there is expenses with all of those things, of course, which is another huge aspect of surrogacy is the cost. Um, uh-huh. So yeah. And so we, we thought when we first met her, okay, so we, we, we found our surrogate. We're all good. She cleared, she passed all the tests and we're just going to do this one round of IVF and we're going to be great. And we're going to mm-hmm. transfer in like two months. So we do our first round of IVF and now looking back, I'm sure so many people in the infertility can relate to that is I went into it thinking, I'm just going to do this one round. We're going to get six or seven perfectly normal embryos and we're uh-huh. going to do the transfer. Uh-huh. And you, this is your first time doing IVF, right? So you yes, had to have yes, the I one last at one time and looking yeah. back now, of course, hindsight's 2020. And I think it was so obvious that it wasn't going to work out well. I had tried for a whole year and a half and never got pregnant, but you yeah, know, but you never know. And you're like, hope you have that hopeful side. I get it. Sure. Yeah. And I had like, when I, we had gone to the doctor, they were like, everything's fine. You're, you're all, you know, unexplained infertility. So we were like, IVF is going to be the solution. So we do our first round and we get two embryos, but they're both abnormal. So after that round, we took about six months off. We did like a little health thing, did all the supplements. But in that process, we started just gently discussing. I needed to do it for my own mental health of talking to my husband about if this round does not work, what is our next plan? Uh, I have a very strong like planning personality. Mm -hmm. And I guess I felt like I didn't want to go into it blindly. And if it didn't work, I was going to be blindsided and not have anywhere to like move forward. So we did touch a little bit on using donor eggs. Um, the clinic had kind of told me with the first round that some of my eggs didn't look great. Um, Mm -hmm. and that my husband's sperm were perfectly normal. So we kind of thought it was going to be more me. My husband was very open to it. We discussed the ins and outs of what it would be like, and are you okay with it? And what would our family be like, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of that was good. So we go into our second round and we don't get any embryos actually by day four, they called us a day early and told us that none of them had even made it to what would be day three. How did it Um, feel to get that phone call? It was actually harder than the first round because it was going better than the first round. We had more eggs and the doctors were so positive. We had switched clinics. We had switched protocols. We had added medication. So everything was like, this is it. This is going to work. We, we've done all the things. We've added the supplements. We've switched clinics. You know, mm-hmm. We've done everything we could do. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting these better results. We have more eggs and everything's looking great. So we're thinking this is going to be it. Right. So when they called us on day four, and I'm sure so many people can feel this, I knew immediately the tone was that sad, slow, like we have to talk to you about your results. And so we were devastated, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think it was almost like a little bit of a relief too, in knowing that we had that other plan already in in place. So while I was so sad, it wasn't going to work out. I didn't feel like a total loss of devastation of like, it's over. We have nothing. It was like, okay, so I'm going to grieve this for a little while. Mm -hmm some time, but I'm going to also start doing more research on the egg donor thing because I had made peace with, if this doesn't work, that is our next step. Right. So I think for some people, when they switch to donor eggs, it is one of the harder things they experience is that 
it's never been thought of before. So when it finally comes to them, it's, it's a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And for us, it had always kind of been on the table for a good while. Right. So you had time to kind of process it and yes. think that that might be the route that you're going to have to go down. Yeah. So as we move forward with that journey and all along, our surrogate is just waiting. <laughs> she is cheering for us. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever you guys have to do, I'm here for y'all. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. At the same time, other people were asking her to be their surrogate because she had been a surrogate before and she was turning people away, which made us feel terrible. Like, you know, she, she has the, uh, the potential to be with other families and she's turning them away for us. And we don't even have any embryos to use right now. Mm, so yeah. as we started the donor process, uh, the first thing we did was we called one of our friends who's used donor sperm to have her children and just kind of, you know, it's great to have that community of like hearing how somebody else's experience went, what it was like for them, how their family is so wonderful now and how it's been such a blessing for them. And it gives you that little piece of knowing that could be me, you know, mm-hmm. if we do this, that could be us. So we spent a while on the phone with her and her wife, just kind of listening to their story and what it was like for them, even her spouse as the non-related parent, what it was like for her, knowing that that would be my role as the, as the uh, intended mother using donor eggs. And they were great. So we got off the phone with them. We got immediately online the next day and started looking at donor egg banks and spent about a week kind of like looking, narrowing down. And in that process, one of our another dear friend of ours reached out and said, I would like to give you my eggs. So we started talking to her. We, we got her, her husband was on board. My husband and I were elated. We told my family because they knew her very well. They were all excited and she flew in town. We did the medical work with my clinic. And then the clinic called us and told us that her AMH was under one. <laughs> oh man. So they didn't want us to use her. They said we could, but it would be very risky. She had had two children of her own with no problem, but they said it was just probably a good chance and that she probably wouldn't be a large egg producer. Oh man. So Another they- crushing blow, right? Again. So we were again, back to the starting point, had to grieve that whole loss of as odd as it sounds. Again, it was almost like another loss because we started envisioning using our friends' eggs and our kids being siblings and what that family unit would kind of look like. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, and it, it was this wonderful kind of journey we saw ahead of us, and then it was gone in, a, in an overnight call again. Right. That was another part. We took another couple of weeks. I couldn't even look at the online donors again after that for a while because I felt so devastated by not being able to use my friend that it was hard to even look at an online donor and think, well, now we could settle for you, as horrible as that might sound. But you know, you're just going back to something that doesn't, didn't feel right, you know, Mm -hmm. after having that better opportunity to use your friend. So we took a couple weeks off. And finally, when I was like, okay, I'm ready to start looking again. I made a post on Instagram about our friend didn't work out. We, you know, we're back to the drawing board. It was a little joke about eggs. And from that post, my friend that I had called about that had used the donor sperm saw the post messaged me immediately and was like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but when you called me a couple months ago to ask us about our family journey, I wanted to volunteer my own eggs to you, but I felt like it would be weird because you were already looking online and I didn't want to overstep any friendship boundaries, but I'd like to offer my eggs to you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) People are amazing. (laughs) Yes. So we talked a little bit about it. My husband was like, I love them. Let's just see, because again, like, let's not get super committed. Let's just have her come in town and see if our clinic even approves her. So our clinic checked everything out. They were like, it it happened. Literally, we talked a week later, she came in. Our clinic approved her the next day. 
And like three days later, she started Sims. It was like so fast. Oh my gosh. Uh, that was the end of July. And by like the second week of August, she was already doing Sims. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. And it went amazing. Um, she's got tons and tons of eggs that are amazing quality. We ended up with 11 normal embryos. So it was wonderful. And during that process, we, so she comes in now, this is the best part of our, our whole eggs donation story is she comes into Louisiana, we do the retrieval and the very next day a hurricane hits New Orleans. Uh-huh. Oh, so they boy. had left, we evacuated to their house because our house was going to be trampled by the hurricane and our, our embryos are in New Orleans by themselves. So we are calling our clinic the whole time we're evacuated. They don't have updates because no one's there. And they're like, the clinic's on a generator. You guys are good. Someone's going to go on day five. Like we're not going to check them until day five. So the Mm -hmm. whole five days, I'm just stressed crying. Oh my God. So nerve wracking. Yes. Waiting for bad news. And so they call us on day five and they're like, everything's looking good, but the generator failed. <gasps> so your embryologist drove in illegally because there's a, a like a curfew order uh-huh. at midnight. And by flashlight, she emergency froze them all. Oh yeah. my God. What a yeah. hero. And we're like, oh, oh my goodness. Like this is terrifying. And I actually said that wrong. So she actually did this on day three. So she goes on day three because the generator has failed and emergency freezes them. And they call us and they're like, everything, they were looking great. You had like 17 and, but Uh she had to emergency freeze them. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to keep them frozen at day three for the next month. And then once the clinic is back open and the generators are safe, we'll thaw them, let them keep growing to day five and then oh my God. biopsy them and refreeze them. Oh my so God. So wait, her- she did, did she do that for all of the embryos, like other patients as well? It wasn't just you guys, only, right? They had canceled so many because they knew the hurricane was coming. We were the only active embryos at the time. Oh my God. Please tell me you've yeah. talked to this embryologist. Have you we talked have. to him? Okay. <laughs> We've actually even talked about on the anniversary of the hurricane, doing a little story with the news station locally, because it was just such an epic thing that happened. You know, totally. um, her husband drove her in and like held a flashlight over her while she froze them. Like, I'm just like, that's insane. So, oh my God. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So we call them our hurricane babes um, oh. because of that. And um, sorry. <laughs> oh, but, are you getting emotional? They thinking finally about call it? us. Yes. Ugh. They finally call us about a month later and they're like, okay, we're going to defrost your day threes. We're going to let them keep growing to day five. But normally when we defrost on day three, let them grow to day five, you'll lose about 20%. We're like thinking this is going to be bad, you know? They end up calling us. Every single one made it to day five. None of them, even like none of them passed in the thaw and they all still made it to day five. Like every single one that they froze. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. And That's so then wild. they sent us off to biopsy and 11 of them were normal. And so it was just, it was a wild, the whole time our donor, because she's a friend of ours is texting us like, what's going on? Do y'all have any updates? And we're out of town still. I lived in Texas for almost a month and a half mm-hmm. because of their, our community was so damaged. My husband was going back and forth and we're waiting for the clinic. And Oh my God, such a nail biter. Yes. It was, a you know, while. like it could have gone so many, it's like a choose your own adventure. It could have gone so many different ways. Right. <laughs> so 
once we were clear with that, we set up time to transfer with our surrogate fairly quickly. As soon as, you know, they said the embryos were good to go. Uh, we transferred in November and we're currently 15 weeks along with a baby girl. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So wait, backing up a little bit. Tell me about <laughs> when did you find out that the surrogate was pregnant? So we transferred mid November and then, uh, right around Thanksgiving, we found out and our surrogate is so amazing. She lives in our neighborhood. Some people might think this is weird. We thought it was amazing. She actually was like, I want you guys to feel as involved as possible. So I am going to bring you guys a sample every morning and let you guys do the pregnancy testing. Oh my God. I saw, I saw some pictures on your Instagram of tests and stuff. And I was wondering on her way to work would just like drive by our house, honk and put like a cup on the porch. (laughs) And my husband and I would get up early and go in the kitchen and and do the little testing every day. Um, What a badass. I love that. (laughs) And so she start, we started on day four, which is super crazy early and got the faintest line you've ever seen, but we kind of both agreed it was there. And by day five, it was clear and it just got darker from there. And we, we tested till about day 10, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And it was really fun to feel like that, that sense of normalcy in the whole process of this has never been normal from the two surrogates to the two day donors failed right. IVF rounds to finally have that little moment alone in my house with my husband doing a pregnancy test and it being positive, you know? So yeah, it, was, absolutely. it was a wonderful gift from her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a story. Okay. So you, <laughs> the baby is due in July. July. Yeah. And did you know which embryo they were going to transfer? Did you like, we did. Yeah. Okay. So our clinic had us come in. They kind of told us these are the best several that you have. You have some of both genders with the same rating, mm-hmm. but we suggest this one. And it just ended up that her name was alpha and mm-hmm. the clinic names them, you know, to keep them caught, like organized. And they were like, this is the best one. It's a girl and her name is alpha. And we were like, that's fate, right? Like, like alpha means like the first and, and the best. So yes. We strongest. Oh like, how could we pick something else when we have a, a potential for alpha, you know? Yes. <laughs> and uh, first transfer worked and we've had no bumps. Everything's been smooth sailing. Our, even our, um, we've already switched over to our surrogates OB and she's been super wonderful with letting us come in for everything. Uh, her whole staff is aware that we're the parents and it's been really wonderful. So yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I love that you have this close relationship with the surrogate for somebody who might be going through this process, who's new to it, or doesn't know much about surrogacy. Are there any like myths that you can dispel about the surrogacy process? Like, I know there's a lot of misinformation floating around and I think it's getting better and better. You know, the more people talk about this and the more things are out in the open, Mm-hmm. But like anything that you, you know, ma- were made aware of or anything that somebody might not realize is the case when you use a surrogate? Sure. I think the biggest thing is that even though we are using an egg donor um, and I'm not going to be genetically related to that child, a lot of people assume that the surrogate is the one that's genetically related to the child mm-hmm. as well. That's like the biggest misconception about surrogacy is that a lot of people think it's just a, like an IUI type of situation where she's using her own eggs and that's actually called traditional surrogacy. So that does still happen. It's just not common. Some States it's not even legal to do in. Uh, so that is very uncommon, but that's also why a lot of, so we call ourselves intended parents in the surrogacy Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And we, a lot of intended parents choose to call their surrogate a gestational carrier. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because originally people 
called a traditional surrogacy. And now some people just shorten that to surrogate. Mm -hmm. But we think that that could be where the confusion comes in of like, oh, are you related? We're calling them the carrier is kind of like letting them know they are not related. They're just Mm -hmm. carrying this baby. So that's like the number one thing we hear is people, we've even had friends that were not aware, make jokes about like, oh, Jared, you got to get on that kind of like pointing to him being making the baby with the surrogate. And we're like, that's not how this works, you know? Right. So, you know, that's just, and I think that's also from a lot of television and movie things that were out for years where you'd hear like the surrogate being related or like the surrogate stealing the baby. And it's like, that Uh doesn't happen. (laughs) It never happens. That's like a lifetime movie or something. Yeah. I remember growing up, there was like a lifetime movie or like some sort of thing about the surrogate stealing the baby and I thought like, oh, that happens, but it does, it does not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we say a lot that in the surrogacy community, they're not giving you a baby. They're giving you back your baby. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's that's helpful even just to tell that to friends. And they're like, oh, I see what you mean. Like they're carrying your baby and just giving it back to you. So. Right. And I've interviewed some amazing surrogates on this podcast as well. And, you know, my friend Ariel, who's been a surrogate multiple times, she's wonderful. Her handle's carried with love. And she always says like, you know, people are like, how can you give away the baby? And she's like, it was never my baby in the first place. Like I'm giving them back their baby, which is is kind of related it to how, if your best friend had a baby, you might want to go to the delivery and you might be wanting to hold them and you love them. You want to buy them gifts but you don't want to take your best friend's baby home. You love them. You love mm-hmm. them maybe more than you would love the average baby that you know, but mm-hmm. you don't want them to be your baby. And it's the same thing for the surrogate. They're happy for you. They they might have a special bond, but they don't want to keep your baby. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So how we talk about like surrogate, gestational carrier, traditional surrogacy. We've also had to inform a lot of our friends about how that works with the donor as well. Uh-huh. Um, even though she is related there is like the three things that go back and forth are donor, genetic relative, and genetic mother. And so some people want to, you know, will say, oh, you're donor. And we've had to explain that she's our donor, but she's our child's genetic relative because she's not donating to them. She's only donated to us. Mm-hmm. So we will never refer to her as donor to our child. Um, we call her genetic relative. And we'll call her by name, of course, because our child will know her just like she would know our other friends by their name. Right. Yeah. And we, That's you know, we so interesting. in touch with her and, and go on little, maybe family trips with all of us together. So our kids can have time together. And I love it. Will always be the genetic relative is what we'll call her. Got it. I got it. Okay. So tell me about, I know you had a special event over this past weekend, right? Yeah. So we had a uh, gender reveal, (laughs) which I kind of always thought I wouldn't have uh, years ago when I was trying on my own. But I think throughout the surrogacy process and maybe the donor process, you kind of start to realize like we've had all these struggles. We've had all of these hard parts where I felt like I failed, my body failed me, even from the heart condition and the spinal surgery to now Mm -hmm. failed IVF rounds, you kind of start like craving normal and celebration. And so we kind of talked about it. And even though my husband and I knew the gender from transfer, he was like, you know what, babe, like we are so lucky to be here. Mm -hmm. We are so grateful to have all these people who like love us and support us. Let's celebrate everything. Like let's just celebrate. I love that. I love that you say we're craving normal and craving like celebration. Cause I think so many of us, you know, coming out of this pandemic or kind of still in it or whatever the fuck is going on right now. I don't even know. 
uh, you know, I think everybody is kind of craving normal. Of course. Yeah. And so we, we talked about what that would look like, even in terms of baby showers of would our donor be invited? Is our surrogate invited? Are our families going to overwhelm them? So we kind of talked to both of them about how they felt about that. Our donor didn't come in town for the gender reveal because they live pretty far, uh, mm-hmm. but our surrogate came and we had it outside in our, in our backyard. We had a little bonfire and tons of our family and friends came and everyone's just been wonderful with all the fears we had around surrogacy and all of our family knows about the donation as well. None of those things have come to fruition. So all of the things I was worried about of people not being happy for us or people over asking questions or, or people being less excited for us than they might've been if it was me has none of those things have happened. Yeah. So we had the gender reveal yesterday and all of our aunts and so uncles. many years in the making, right, Meg? Right. I mean, sure. And I'm sure all plus years in the making. Too. Yeah. For so long, you know, I, I, rem- I touched on that feeling of failing my husband, but I think I also felt like I was failing my family you know, through the miscarriages, even there was, they found, we would tell them about the IVF. We told them when I was pregnant and having to tell them we had a miscarriage, the IVF round failed. It's not just like that feeling of letting yourself down or letting your husband down. It, it is like letting your whole community down of like, those people are cheering for you and they want this for you just as, cause they want you to be happy, but you also feel like I've taken that joy from them. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of getting, sorry, kind of getting to have that party yesterday was like healing in that yeah. it was like this everyone that we loved was there and they were so happy for us. And it was just like, this is what we've wanted for so long. And all of the things we've had to go through that were tough from using the surrogate and and, and the donor and maybe feeling like they wouldn't be accepting of that. It was like very healing for them to all be there and be a hundred percent on board. Oh, the emotion is palpable. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's so you've been through so much and you want this baby so badly and she's coming this summer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love the idea of, you know, celebrating when you can, it's not, I know it's not always easy. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety after going through infertility and stuff for everybody, but to capture those moments of joy when you can, I think are so important. Yeah. Now I'm getting choked up, Meg. What what just happened? One of the things that was the biggest turning point, I think for us was when we did, so you have to do the psych evaluations and we were on the phone with ours and I hope I can curse on this because I'm just going to say what she said, but she said, you guys are so fucking lucky. You must have horseshoes shoved up your ass. So confused at first. We were like, what is, we're literally telling this woman about our struggles and how we have to use a surrogate and a donor and, and how hard this has been. And she's sitting there going, wow, you had a a friend, multiple friends volunteered to carry for you, multiple friends volunteered to be your egg donor. And it's actually worked out. You are so lucky. And it was such a good shift for us to be able to be like, wow, we really are. You know, Mm -hmm. the narrative changed from this like hard journey to this, like amazing support system that's loved us so much that they've given us this, this path forward. And we've kind of held on to that little like horseshoe up the ass kind of thing since then, because it, it really has just changed our perspective on the whole journey of, of how lucky we are to actually be at this point now. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to follow more of Meg's story, you can go to Instagram and it's creating.crawfords is her Instagram handle. So you can follow her there and see what's going on with them. 
and the babe, which is due in July. So pretty soon from now, I wanted to thank her again for just reaching out and sharing her story. And I hope that they have just the best life and I hope everything goes well with the babe. So thank you guys for listening. I also want to remind you as always, check out Fertility Rally if you're looking for a community of badasses who get it. We have four support groups a week starting in July, up from three. So our membership is growing. The needs are growing. We have pregnancy after infertility groups. We have motherhood, just motherhood, not pregnancy after infertility, which is our new group. And then we have our regular group, the Wednesday night flagship group, which is hosted by me and Blair, my co-founder. And it's just an incredible night. We've been doing every single Wednesday for the past two plus years. And you know, hundreds and hundreds of women have passed through these doors and come to these groups and some men too. So if you are looking for, like I said, a community that gets it, we are happy to have you no matter where you are. So reach out to me if you have any questions and you can follow us on Instagram too at Fertility Rally and also give me a follow at Infertile AF Stories. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you guys soon.